Good morning, Fusion Church, as I get my screen set up here. Mouse is not cooperating. <clears throat> this is uh, September 12th. We are soaping today in 1 Samuel 27, 1 Samuel 27. Uh, as usual, we have a lot going on at the church. Uh, just give you some updates. So tomorrow, 9 a.m. is prayer and worship live at EHT. <clears throat> and also you can watch online. Tomorrow night is Revival Prayer uh, with Mike D'Amico. Uh, that happens via Zoom. I will post that in the chat. Uh, don't forget to sign up for a Connect group. Uh, it's happening. Uh, we are in our, I think this Sunday will be our third week, and then the Connect group start. And then uh, we have an event coming up uh, on the 23rd at the church at EHT. Uh, on a Saturday, it's Heart for the House, uh, 8 to 12. We have a big goal to... Uh, Make some more space, uh, clear up some space in the back warehouse area so we can start uh, planning for construction. So we need as many hands and bodies as we can. And then uh, Revive Us again is happening on September 17th at 6.30 at the Gospel of Grace uh, location, which is uh, Solid Rock Church on Ocean Heights. Uh, that'll be 6.30 on a Sunday, uh, September 17th. Um, and we are again soaping in First Samuel 27. First Samuel 27 this morning with Pastor John. Uh, we have a sunrise at 6:36 a.m. If Pastor John runs a little short today, the sun won't even be up by the time he finishes. And uh, we sunset at 7:12 p.m. today. So we are soaping in First Samuel 27. As everybody's rolling in on this soap this morning. Let's get Pastor John unmuted. Morning, Mike. Go, Good morning, sir. Good morning. So if you run it a little little shorter than 636, the sun won't even be up by the time you finish. Well, we'll see what we can do about that, Mike. All right. That's good. So, and then... Uh, Revive Us again is happening over at the Gospel of Grace on Different. September 17th, which is awesome. I wonder how they uh, 6 30 p.m. Huh. That's a solid rock church. And um, we got the Heart for the House coming up on the 23rd. Make sure you sign up for a Connect group and Revival Robert, Prayer happens. I don't know if that tomorrow. is Robert or not. The, What's that? Hand. Oh, I'm sorry. I just said something. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> You're live, so be careful. <laughs> um so revival prayer happens tomorrow night and uh 9 a.m tomorrow is prayer and worship over at the eht location and you guys can watch online but we are soaping in first samuel 27 uh today and on september 12th so uh, a lot going on here at the church as always so um looking forward to everyone jumping on board here this morning and uh, let me see here. So we, uh, <clears throat> First Samuel 27 is our soap. Uh, we should be seeing Doug Overby any moment there. Look at that, on time, on time, Doug. Yes, sir, mm. count on Doug. So, uh, but our soap today is First Samuel 27 for all those that are jumping on board. Good morning to all. Um, Tomorrow is a 9 a.m. prayer and worship over at the church. If you haven't been, check it out or watch it online. 
Um, don't forget to sign up for a connect group that is happening uh, now and we will be um, starting that in a couple of weeks mm. you don't want to miss out on uh, the opportunities there to get out of rows and into circles so make sure you check that out um, again heart for the house is coming up september 23rd it's a big one for us we're going to empty out some uh, junk in the warehouse and get ready for construction pastor john it is now 6 a.m. Okay, Michael, thank you. You are right on the money again. Appreciate that. And uh, good to see each of you folk here. Uh, some of your faces on the screen and others there behind the, uh, the name. But the Lord is with us. That's the good news. Uh, and we have an opportunity to meet with him today and with each other. So I can't think of a better way to start the day. Uh, why don't we just... Uh, we always do this. Just raise our hands. Just a moment. If you need to uh, lift your hands to the Lord or stretch, that always helps the body. But the most important thing, let's pray that the Lord would speak to us through his word. Father, I want to thank you for each of my brothers and sisters uh, that have the discipline and the desire, Lord, to get up early, uh, to be, be able just to fellowship with you, Lord, through your word. And Father, we just thank you. We believe every time we gather in the morning, you have a message for us. So I just pray, Lord, as we look at 1 Samuel 27, uh, that you would breathe on these words, uh, that you would apply them to our hearts, Lord, uh, that they could make a difference in the way we live our everyday life. So I just pray for each one of us, uh, Lord, just underline to us that specific part of this chapter we need to hear and apply. So, Father, we thank you, and we just pray, Jesus, in your strong name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so let's read 1 Samuel 27. It says, Then David said to himself, Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. So Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. So David arose and crossed over, he and 600 men with him, to Achish, the son of Mac, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish of Gath, he and his men, each with his household, even David with his two wives, Eshinam and the Jerealites, and Abigail, the Carmelites, Nabal's widow. Now it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he no longer searched for him. And David said to Achish, If now I have found favor in your sight, let them give me a place in one of the cities in the country, that I may live there. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziglag that day. Therefore, Ziglag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and they raided the Gersherites and the Gersherites and the Malachites, for they were in the inhabitants of the land from ancient times, as you come to Sir, even as far as the land of Egypt. And David attacked the land and did not leave a man or a woman alive. And he took away the sheep, the cattle, the donkeys, the camels, and the clothing. 
Then he returned and came to Achish. Now Achish said, where have you made a raid today? And David said, against the Nevgah of Judah, against the Nevgah of the Jeromelites. I don't know how to pronounce some of these names. They're very interesting. And against the Nevgah of the Kenites. And David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to Gath, saying, lest they should tell about us, saying, so has David done, and so has been his practice all the time he has lived in the country of the Philistines. So Achash believed David, saying, he has surely made himself odious among his people, Israel. Therefore, he will become my servant forever. Amen. Okay, uh, as I'm looking over uh, 1 Samuel 27, uh, there's one single point uh, that I want to look at today, uh, and that's this, that it's extremely important uh, for every one of us on the screen here and myself uh, to be able to pray and consult the Lord before we make decisions. Let me say it again. It's extremely important to consult the Lord before we make major decisions, or for that matter, any decision at all. And we're going to look at David uh, as an illustration of the importance of this. Sometimes David sought the Lord, and when he sought the Lord, it seems that the Lord blessed him and things went well. There are other times uh, that David did not consult the Lord, kind of just impulsively did something, and things did not go well. Uh, so my aim today is to look at the times when he did not consult the Lord, the times when he did, and then to kind of end up the study today is, okay, we need to consult the Lord, but how do we hear God if we're really trying to make the right decision at a given point? So let me uh, kind of start, I guess, with the negative, where I think uh, David did not consult the Lord, and it didn't really go well for him. So I'm going to have you back up just a minute. Uh, go to first, first Samuel chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse 10. First Samuel 21 and verse 10. So the, the background is Saul is pursuing David. He is giving him a hard time. Saul is jealous of David, wants to wipe him out. Uh, and, you know, I can get it. I can understand where David would be fearful uh, pressured, under the gun, uh, and in this case, it just looks by instinct, I got to get out of here. So if you look at 1 Samuel 21.10, it says, Then David arose, he fled that day from Saul, and he went to Achish, the king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands? And David took these words to heart and greatly feared Achish, the king of Gath. So when David hears that Achish hears this, he said, uh-oh, this is not a good picture. Maybe my fleeing was not a good move. Uh, and then here's how David tries to get himself out of the jam. Verse 13. So he disguised his sanity before them and acted insanely in their hands and scribbled on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva run down into his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man having 
uh, behaving as a madman. Why do you bring him to me? Do I like madmen that you should brought this one to act the madman in my presence? Shall this one come into my house? And then David basically goes out. <clears throat> but this, it just doesn't look right. David is panicking, tries to get away from Saul, goes to the Philistines, and he comes here uh, and think he's going to be fine till they say, uh-oh, this guy has slain, you know, some Philistines. He panics, and then he acts crazy. That doesn't seem to me the way the Lord would want David to handle that situation. And let me give you another illustration that kind of brings us to the chapter we're at here, uh, where I think a second time David panics, does not consult the Lord. And again, things don't go well for him. So look at 27.1. Then the Lord said, I'm sorry, then David said to himself, I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. So again, here he is. He's concerned that he might be killed. Saul's going to get him, wipe him out. So David has a knee-jerk reaction. He does not consult the Lord necessarily. He says, I'm going to perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. Now, it's very possible if he had consulted the Lord, the Lord may say, hey, you didn't have to go up there to the Philistines. You could have been okay here. I'll take care of you. But again, he's acting on a knee-jerk response, and he basically runs away. Look at verse 2. So David rose and crossed over, he and the 600 men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Mel, the king of Gath. So here he's running to the same guy again, which to me doesn't make sense. The first time he ran there, it, it went bad. Now he's doing the same thing a second time. Again, he did not consult the Lord. He's just trying to say, I got to save my life. I got to move and do something here. Verse 3. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each with his household, even David with his two wives, and then they list them. And it says here in verse 5, then David said to Achish, and here he is there seeking help from this fellow that he acted kind of like crazy with before. Then David said to Achish, if now I found favor in your sight, let them give me a place in the cities of the country that I may live there. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you? He's basically saying, hey, Akish, you know, I'm not good enough to live where you are. Just put me out there on the side somewhere. Just anywhere is fine. Just, just thank you for a, a chunk of land. Verse 6. So Akish gave him Ziglag that day. Therefore, Ziglag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now, it's interesting. Again, David is not consulting the Lord at this point, this next thing. He's just kind of saying, okay, this is what I think I'm going to do. And here's what he does. Verse 8. Now, David and his men went up, and they raided the Gershrites and the Gershvites and the Malachites. For they were the inhabitants of the land from the ancient times, as you come to serve even as far as the land of Egypt. And David attacked the land. He did not leave a man or a woman alive. He took away the sheep, the cattle, the donkeys, the camels, and the clothing. Then he returned and came to Akash. So, okay, he raids this area. 
he comes back to the main base. He sees Akish, uh, who's a Philistine king. And Akish asks him a question. Where have you made a raid today? David said, against the Nevga of Judah, against the Nevga of the Jeromites, and against the Nevga of the Kenites. And David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to Gath, saying, lest they should tell about us, saying, so David has done. So he has been his practice all the time. So basically, David flat out lies. He had attacked this other group of people, the Geshemites, the Gerzites, and the Malachites. But he's saying basically, no, King Akash, I've attacked Israel. I've attacked Judah. In other words, I've turned on my, my home country. I'm with you, Akish. And Akish believes this. He's believing the lie of David, verse 12. So Akish believed David, saying he has surely made himself odious among his people, Israel. Therefore, he will become my servant forever. So what happens uh, as David is out there fighting these battles, he, he was never told, number one, to leave Zigvag. In fact, he was never even told to go to Gath. So two things. He wasn't told to go to Gath. Back to Akish, he wasn't told to do this raid. And the raid literally backfired because as he's fighting these battles, he leaves Zigvag basically open to attack. And what has happened, foreigners have come in, they've attacked Zigvag, they've taken off the women, the wives, the children of David and his men. Not a good situation. Everything's going backwards. In fact, the people of Zigvag, the Jews, are so upset that their wives and kids are taken away, they actually threatened to stone David at that point. And God bails him out of a tough situation. At that point, God saves the day. But I think in both of these cases, neither case does David say, Lord, I'm in a jam. What do you want me to do? He takes matters in his own hand. And I get it. We're human. Sometimes, you know, when you're scared, you're panicked, and you just do something because you don't know what else to do. You just do it. But Many times when we do that, it backfires in our face. So that's the negative. Let me give you, David, the positive and give you some illustrations of where he did seek the Lord. So if you turn to 1 Samuel, back up a little bit, 1 Samuel and verse, well, Samuel 23 and verses 1 to 5. Okay, here's a positive. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kilia, and they are plundering the fleshing floors. Here it is. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack those Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and deliver Kilia. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kilia against the ranks of the Philistines? Here it is. Then David inquired of the Lord once more. In other words, I got to be very clear, God. You got to make sure that you can get through to me so things don't get messed up. David inquired of the Lord once more. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kilia, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. 
So David and his men went to Kilia, fought with the Philistines, and he led away their livestock, struck them with a great slaughter. Thus David delivered the inhabitants of Kilia. Okay, there you go. He heard God. He followed God. Victory came. Why? Because he sought the Lord. Let me give you another illustration. Uh, chapter 23, verse 9. Now David knew that Saul was plotting evil against him. So he said to Abathar, the priest, bring the ephod here. Now the ephod is a, a, uh, a special uh, part of the clothing that a priest had, and they would use this to discern God's will at a given point. So David's saying, okay, um, he knew Saul was plotting evil, so he asked for the priest, okay, bring the ephod, I want to hear from you, Lord. And he asked this question. Uh, verse 10, O Lord, God of Israel, thy servant has heard for certain that Saul is seeking to come to Kiliah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kiliah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down just as thy servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, okay, a second time he's inquiring. And David said, will the men of Kilio surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. The David and his men arose and departed. There again, he sought God. God said, you better get out of there because if you don't, so is going to get you. He inquired of God and he got an answer. Let me just give you a couple more. First Samuel chapter 30. And as I said, <clears throat> when David was away from Ziglag, the foreigners had taken away the wives, the kids. It's a bad scene. Uh, look at how bad it is, but you're going to see what David does in a moment. The bad scene is this. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's a good verse. Not really one that we're looking at specifically, but when you're really down and out, turn to the Lord. David, I'm sure, got a part, sought the Lord in prayer, and he was strengthened. <clears throat> but notice what he does in verse seven. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Amalek, please bring me the ephod. There again, he's seeking God's guidance. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And you shall surely rescue all. And the story is beautiful. He does exactly what God said. He pursued. Again, the battle is won. He sought God's guidance. He got it and he obeyed it. And there's victory. Let me just give you two more. <clears throat> In 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1, we read this. And it came about afterwards that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. So David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So again, twice David is saying, What do I, what do, I do? 
Should I go to Judah? <clears throat> okay. The Lord said, yeah, go up. Where? And God gave him the specifics in that matter. Look at Second uh, Samuel chapter 5 and verse 18. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rapidi. Then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Wilt thou give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And let me just give you this one more. 22 of that same chapter. Now the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of Rapidium. And when David inquired of the Lord, the Lord said, you shall not go directly up, circle around behind them, and come at them in the front of the balsam trees. And it shall be, when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. And David did so, just as the Lord had commanded him, and struck down the Philistines. God said, hey. You're asking my advice. Here's what you need to do. David, do not do a frontal attack. Some people can go front, but I want you to circle back and get them from the rear. Again, David consults the Lord and we see a victory. So to me, I think these illustrations prove it's extremely important for every one of us when we're seeking what to do in our lives. What should I do? Should I do this? Shouldn't I do that? Should I go forward? Do I go reverse? Whatever. I think here we get an illustration of David when he didn't ask God and he kind of went knee-jerk. Okay, I'm going to do this or this or this. It didn't go well. Things seemed to go backwards and backfire. When he did seek the Lord, it seems that he got the wisdom of God. And not only did he get the wisdom of God, he won the battles. So, Here's the bottom line. <clears throat> it's so important to hear God as we go through this life. <clears throat> so, so important. But I could end it here, and I think you could say, okay, Pastor John, I get it. When I, I need to make big decisions, or any decision for that matter, okay, I need to ask God. And here's the million-dollar question. Well, how do I know when God's speaking to me and what I should do? Okay, God, I want to consult you, but how do I know when I'm hearing you? So let me wrap up and give you some thoughts on that. How do we hear God when we're seeking answers and trying to make decisions? <clears throat> Excuse me. The first one, I think, we need to do this. Just what you're doing today. We need to be people of the word. So, so, so important. We need to read the Bible cover to cover. Genesis, and then getting through Revelation. We need to know what's in the book. God has probably given us 90% or more the information we need to make good decisions. It's right here in the book. The problem is, unfortunately, there's studies around the world of how many Christians read the Bible and many do not. Or they read, you know, I like this portion. I like little Psalms. Oh, John's good. They hop, skip, and jump, but they don't know the full counsel of God. So if you want to clearly hear the Lord, his mind is literally in print right in your hands. The more you read the Bible, 
the more you understand the way God thinks, the more the way uh, you understand the way God thinks, when you have to make a decision, it'll become more and more clear. Yeah, this is this is the way God acted then. This is the way he gave guidance then. This is the way he's going to guide me now. So if you really want to know God's voice, definitely do this. And I think it's great that you folk get up to do a soap. Hopefully many of you more than just one day. Um, it's, it's guiding you through. We're working through the entire book. <clears throat> but even though you get through it once, doesn't mean you've mastered it. You can read this over and over and over. But the more you read the Bible as a whole, with the help of the Holy Spirit as your teacher, the more you're going to know the mind of God when you have to make a decision. Biggie, start with the word of God. Number two, I think God speaks through our reason at times. Uh, I don't think many times we need a special burning bush to know, you know, we should get a proper amount of sleep or we should eat correctly uh, or that we need to plan and, and have savings in case of an emergency. That's just using a brain. God did give us a brain. I don't think he said just to take your brain and throw it out. Uh, God gave us common sense, you know? So I think um, an illustration of common sense is, you know, if you running a car and the tires are there for years upon years and they're getting bolder and bolder and bolder and could possibly blow out. I don't think you have to say, Lord, what is your will? I think God gave you common sense and he said, look, <laughs> your tires are getting worn, get them replaced. So sometimes God speaks through the word. He speaks through <laughs> common sense. I think one of the primary ways I believe he speaks uh, and I think it, I, I feel it for me personally, but I think it's for you, is what I would call intuitive impressions. Intuitive impressions. For instance, you're going through the day and just out of the blue, you feel like, you know, I need to call so-and-so. And you call that person. And, and many times they may say, well, how did you know that I was having such a bad day? How'd you know? And I, I think you, you, you could just say, well, the Lord kind of laid you on my heart. So I think God puts intuitive impressions, uh, maybe to make a phone call, maybe just to be a blessing to somebody. He just lays it on you. You know, this person has been so good to you. Go out and buy them some flowers or buy them a gift. Just, just to encourage that person. I think um, many times God uh, basically speaks intuitively to pick up a book. I love books. I have all kinds of books. And there's times I just know that the Lord says, hey, this is the book you need to read now. Uh, and it's right on point. Sometimes God speaks intuitively where you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden, boom, it lights up. Like it just, the page just kind of comes alive to you. So I think many times God uses your brain, but sometimes we can get so analytical that we miss the intuitive that God's trying to put in your heart. So it's not either or, it's both, and knowing which time you need to use either of them. I think a lot of times God speaks through our desires. Uh, it says this in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourselves. In other words, find your joy in the Lord. Just enjoy him, walk with him, fellowship with him. And as you do that, your heart and his heart begin to be aligned. 
and your desires and his desires begin to be one. They kind of fuse together. So as you're just going about your normal life, you just may have the desire. You, you hear what's going on in the church. You may have to say, you know, I, I really feel, feel led to want to work with kids. I like children. And you may want to step up uh, and, and just go to Pastor Sean and say, hey, you know, I, I just feel that the Lord has put this desire. I, I want to work with kids. Um, some of you, I think maybe are, are having a desire to do a connect group. I was just talking to somebody the other day, brand new to the church. And they felt, you know, I really feel like I want to jump into a group. I want to learn. Hey, that's the Holy Spirit nudging us through a desire he puts in us. So God speaks many times through our desires, particularly as we delight in him. Not just any desire. You know, we can have desires all over the place. Some of the desires, you know, if I want to have a, 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 a super big house, I want a swimming pool, I want a brand new car. I'm not going to get those kind of desires. But when you enjoy God and you love him, then his desires begin to rub off. Okay. God speaks through his word, through reason, through intuitive impressions, through desires. I think he speaks through burdens. Have you ever had just out of the blue, you felt this heaviness, like I need to pray for this person. I, I just, I don't know why, but I feel this, this compulsion. I've got to pray about a situation. Uh, I know people that have that where just, just something comes over them. And I think that's God's way of alerting them. Hey, pray for that person. I'm burdening your heart, and this is my will. Lift this person up in prayer. I think another way God speaks is through <laughs> a sense of peace in your heart. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, I was a pastor uh, 13 years at a Methodist church in Williamstown. Uh, I think things were going pretty smooth, doing pretty well. Uh, in our system, the district superintendent, can tap you on the shoulder sometimes and say, hey, you know, we have another church available. Would you like to go to this church? Uh, and my first reaction to that, uh, when I was there 13 years in Williamstown, uh, and they said, would you go to Cape May Courthouse? My first response was uh, to myself, no, not really. I'm happy where I'm at. You know, things are going well. That's good. Uh, but since the district superintendent called me i thought okay i need to take it seriously okay lord uh do you want this or don't you and i think one of the greatest ways to discern god's will is you've got to get your will out of the picture that's tough we got to become uh neutral lord and i had to get to the point lord if you want me to stay in williamstown i'm good lord if you want me to go to cape may courthouse i'm good lord I got to get to the point where I'll do whatever you want. So I got neutral, but I can't open the Bible right here. And it's not going to tell me whether I stay at Williamstown or whether I go to courthouse. So I think the prayer I prayed, and it's a prayer you can pray, is I said this, Lord, increase the desire and the peace in the direction you want me to go. And Lord, uh, basically take the peace and the desire out of my heart where you don't want me to go. And what's interesting uh, is as I got neutral, God began to literally shift my heart. 
And before I did not want to leave, but I really felt like this sense of peace come over me. And that's not something you can conjure up. That's a gift that God gives your heart. But God gave me a peace to go to Cape May Courthouse. So that's that's how I, I think sometimes we get gauged. If you're moving into a situation and there's a sense of peace, that, that, that can be a very good indicator. Yeah, that's the way God wants you to go. But if you're moving in a direction and there's a disturbance, um, Paul had that a couple of times in the book of Acts. He was moving to a part of Asia and, and God, it says he checked his spirit. He just forbade him. So sometimes if you're going forward and you feel a check, that's God saying, no, no, that's the wrong direction. Uh, but if you sense a peace, I think that that would be a sign of a good direction. So let me give you uh, <clears throat> just uh, three more. Another way I think we can sense uh, God's direction is through circumstances. So let's just say you've been fired from a job, <clears throat> which is not good. And you go in and you start checking out the internet and you find four different jobs and they look pretty much equal, same pay, same kind of responsibilities. You send in four resumes and you say, Lord, I really don't know, which is true. I don't know which one you want me to go to. I mean, I don't even know all the complete background on each one. So Lord, I'm asking you to shut the doors to the jobs you don't want. And I want you to open the door that I should go. And that's the best you could do in that situation. And if you hear number one, two, and third door is shut, but fourth door opens, then I think you have a pretty good shot that the fourth door is the one that God wants you to walk through. Open, shut doors. I think many times God speaks through people. Uh, if I'm trying to make any kind of important decision or get an insight, I will go to people that I believe are mature in the faith and maybe even more than one, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'll consult with them and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? Does it make sense? Uh, give me your insights. Uh, and many times I think God can give direction through people that are spiritually mature and wise. And then God can use some very uh, strange ways to get your attention. Um, the Bible says he can speak to you through dreams. Uh, he can speak to you through a prophecy <laughs> somebody else may give you. Uh, so there's different ways that God speaks if you seek to consult him. You know, his word, reason, intuitive impressions, your desires, burdens, a sense of peace, circumstances, people, dreams. But if you sincerely seek the Lord, I believe he wants to guide you. I believe he wants to guide me. So... As we wrap up here, uh, what do we get for 1 Samuel 27? This is what I get. Before I make a decision, particularly big decisions, don't just jump into it. Don't knee-jerk it. Don't be rash. Take time and consult the Lord. Lord, big decision, help me make this decision. Give him time, too. I've been guilty of times saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I, you know, I look at my clock and I, I have a, a, you know, 15 minutes and, you know, you need to answer in 15 minutes. He may not give you an immediate answer exactly when you ask the question, but I believe he will do that 
at the appropriate time and in the right way. And you'll have a knowing, hey, this is the way I need to go. So consult the Lord when you make decisions, for sure. When you know God's will, here's the deal, do it. And as I heard in a sermon the other day, don't just do it, do it immediately. Don't postpone it. Once you know God's will, don't dilly-dally, don't drag your feet. When you know that he said it, do it right then. And I believe just the way God blessed David when he sought him, he'll bless you and I as we seek him as well. So let me pray for you as you make some decisions in your life. Lord, we just thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. And Father, I think we, we saw in the life of David a great illustration of what works and what doesn't work. Lord, we just saw when David just kind of just jumped at a decision out of a, a pressure or out of uh, just being nervous or anxious, uh, he got all mixed up and tangled up and things didn't go well. But Lord, when he, when he sought you, when he called for the priest, when he cried out, Lord, what is your will? You showed it to him, Lord. Uh, and Lord, I just want to pray for each of my brothers and sisters. I don't know the, the, the situations they're in, but I can't help but think, Lord, there's people on this screen that have major decisions they have to make in regards to their life, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a situation with a job, a family member, uh, finances, whatever. Uh, but Lord, I just pray for each one here, Lord, that as they seek you, uh, that you would just speak to them, make the way clear, give them wisdom, Lord, give them understanding so that they can walk in your will, so that they can prosper, Lord, so that they can experience your blessing so that they can be a blessing to other people. So, Lord, we thank you. We, we believe you haven't lost your voice over the centuries. We believe you're still speaking. Lord, thank you for being the good shepherd, for leading each and every one of us on this Zoom today. And, Father, because of that, we give you praise and we give you thanks. And we ask it boldly, Jesus, in your name. <coughs> Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Go follow the Lord. He's got a good plan for you. See you soon.